away. It's in. He was an odd-looking kid, with his mother's green-flecked hazel eyes and a deep shade of his father's colouring and hair that stuck out always. He was taken to the Catholic orphanage run by the methodically cruel Sisters of Mercy. The shame of his mixed race meant that he was also victimised by the other orphans. He lived in that dire and loveless establishment for three and a half years. At the end of that time he had become a hard little bastard who had learned to cry silently and dry-eyed. Christian names were not used in the orphanage, and eventually Beck forgot that he had one. 1.2. The Leaving of Liverpool On a chill March morning in 1922, twelve of the boys, Beck among them, were led to the wash house where they had their hair cut off by Sister Frances Xavier, assisted by Mr Joyce, the caretaker. Then they were made to strip naked and wash themselves at the long zinc trough, paying particular attention to their private parts. Still naked and shivering, they were next intimately examined by a man who wore a white coat over his suit. The press of his stethoscope was like the kiss of a cold-water fish. The boys assumed that these humiliations were a punishment for some as-yet-undisclosed sin, so they were surprised when they were then led to the laundry and issued with sets of clothes far less wretched than those they had discarded and boots that were almost new. Even more surprisingly, they were then taken, in their new finery, to the refectory and given a mug of beef tea and a hunk of bread apiece, which they eagerly and anxiously consumed with bald heads lowered. Twelve heads pale as suet puddings, one brown as a potato. While they were chewing and slurping, Sister Thomas Aquinas came into the room with a clergyman they had never seen before. He had a face the colour of canned meat separated from his black suit by a white dog collar that looked as hard and cold as the rim of a piss pot. He spoke to the boys at some length. Beck understood few of the words used. He had a vague idea what adventure and opportunity meant, but had no idea what Canada was. At the end of his speech, the stranger ordered the boys to close their eyes and clasp their hands together. He recited a prayer. The boys said, Amen, into their empty cups. The man regarded them for a long moment and said, I envy you, sincerely. Good luck and may God be your guide. At a gesture from Sister Thomas, the boys stood. Very soon afterwards, too soon for goodbyes to friends, if they had any, the eleven chosen ones filed through the orphanage gates onto the street, where, astonishingly, a green and black motor coach stood awaiting them. It trembled to the stumbling thump of its engine. The driver, a stout little man in a long brown coat, was loading kit bags into the boot. When he was done, he opened the coach's door officiously, and the boys climbed in, followed by Sister Thomas. Beck had never before been in a vehicle of any kind. He sat near the front, gripping his seat against the noise and grinding rattle of the engine, and watched with fascination the way the driver worked the wheel, the levers, the pedals. After a short journey that took the boys beyond the perimeter of familiar territory, the coach stopped at a building very similar to the one they had just left. It was the Christian Brotherhood Home for Boys, 
although no sign confessed the fact. Eight more boys with shaven heads boarded the coach, silently. One took the seats alongside Bex. He smelled of fear and camp for mothballs and sat staring straight ahead with his hands knotted on his crotch. A priest followed the boys in and sat down next to Sister Thomas, who greeted him with a stiff little nod. The coach set off again, and after a mysterious passage of time, joined the jerking melee of mechanical, animal and human traffic that flowed and counterflowed alongside the River Mersey. The bald boys stared aghast from the coach's windows at a slow parade of massive buildings the colour of congealed blood. In the gaps between them, stone-rimmed lakes crammed with ships, some masted, some funnelled, webbed together with ropes. Rust-red cranes swivelled, their little cabins farting smoke.